Kurt Nelson's joining us. He's the founding partner and CEO of Summerhaven. Kurt, welcome. It's good to have you back. We were, while well, talking thanks, about the, thanks to you, talking about the new variant at the top of the show, the Pfizer news, uh, you know, scientists have been in this kind of wait and see mode, sort of judging uh, the impact that this is going to have on hospitals and such. But it seems like crude traders uh, don't really seem as willing to uh, wait and see. They're voicing their opinion uh, yesterday, certainly in a big way to the upside. Sure. I mean, supply and demand is the fundamental story for all the commodities that we trade. And we saw, um, you know, inventories come in below expectations. They were expected to uh, have an increase in inventories actually had, uh, a, you know, a draw. And that was certainly supportive. Um, earlier in the week, you know, Aramco came out and, and reminded everyone that, yeah, there's going to be this transition to a green economy, renewable energy, you know, batteries, electric vehicles, et cetera. But that's going to take a long time. And in the meantime, we need to have uh, access, sufficient access to these traditional carbon-based fuels like oil or natural gas. And they're still going to be relevant for another you know, decade or two uh, to drive our global economy. And um, it's that you know, supply and demand is where that meets. If demand is higher than we think, supply is lower or both, you're going to see a recovery in prices. Um, we saw kind of oil go up to $80 or so in the recent past. Um, and that, along with concerns about inflation, uh, caused the US to think about you know, releasing barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is a very temporary fix. And uh, we saw after the sharp sell-off in crude approaching 65, we've seen really good support in the last kind of week, week and a half. Um, we're also coming in on the winter cycle, right, where uh, heating oil uh, tends to be in sharp demand as well as natural gas. So uh, I think it's it's what we're seeing in price action and crude is somewhat predictable given on uh, the the nexus where supply and demand are meeting right now. You know, it was a sharp move lower from 85, and we're looking at it here on the daily time frame where things stand relative to the 50-day moving average. That, as you pointed out, sharp move. Well. Lower from 85 down to just below 65 here recently. I think it was 63 and change as far as I remember. But uh, you commented on this big move up that we've seen back to 72.26 last print. Here. We're currently trading up on the day by a fourth, a four tenths of a percent. A big move yesterday certainly raised some eyebrows, attracted attention. But that's just part of this, uh, again, two, three, four day move here now, it looks like. Let's. Uh, talk a little bit about some of that demand side of things and your mention again in terms of the direct correlation to price. We certainly saw that and you brought in natural gas uh, briefly into this to, to your point I, there uh, with the temperatures warming up here in the Middle East, in the Midwest uh, over the last week or so it was. We saw prices come off in a swift fashion, but they were have now supported by that cold returning uh, again at recently. Yeah, I mean, net gas is trading below $4 now, and it seems like a very sharp, and it is a sharp reversal. We saw natural gas punch above $6 in a strange time of the year. Typically, we see natural gas prices rise in the second half of the winter, mm -hmm. right? The, the summer to early fall tends to be the injection period, which is when we're building up sort of like squirrels putting, you know, nuts in a tree to or in the ground to store for winter. We tend to uh, put you know natural gas into storage, uh, anticipating higher demand than supply during the winter months, and uh, and that's been a pattern that we we've, we've you know done for years or decades. Inventories earlier this year were a bit below schedule, and we saw that incredible price rally in natural gas. Uh, it's since come off uh, you know you know sharply, 
um, but it's seeing support over the last few days. But it's still, you know, and remember, Ben, it's still uh, December uh, 8th, so we're still early in the winter cycle. And weather is difficult to predict, uh, just like inflation and other macro factors that we try to get insight into, but nonetheless kind of wax and wane on their own. Um, something else I think worth mentioning is that when we think about energy prices and geopolitics, we naturally think of the Middle East and potential tension there that could impact oil. You know, a different uh, region for us to focus on over the next three to four months is going to be what's happening between Russia and Ukraine. You know, Russia is not a member of OPEC, but they tend to coordinate closely with them as a non-OPEC member. And Russia does not produce semiconductors or electric vehicles, but they produce a lot of oil and a lot of natural gas. I think 40% of Europe's uh, natural gas and maybe even more for Germany comes from Russia. Um, I think based on the <clears throat> interactions and, and news that we've heard from the administration in uh, Washington, uh, we don't plan to put troops on the ground in Ukraine, but we tend to, we, or we plan to respond very strongly uh, in economic terms to Russia if they choose to invade uh, Ukraine. I think that's going to have, uh, you know, a very big impact on both oil and natural gas in the next three to four months at a time when oil is well supported. And we tend to be in the, the time of year for the Northern Hemisphere when natural gas is in sharp demand. So um, that's a, a, something that we're not used to thinking about, which is you know, a European conflict area as opposed to Middle East that could affect energy prices. But I think um, given the support for nat gas and oil we've seen in the last week, week and a half, um, that could be a catalyst for sharply higher prices. It is interesting. I'm talking about weather here in uh, Chicago in the Midwest, and I like that you bring the global discussion into uh, uh, the the realm of things here because, well, uh, certainly while we did see prices ease here and off that 550 level recently down to 363 in terms of natural gas, not so much in terms of Europe, and a good point there because a lot of the focus has been on Russia and uh, what's playing out there. It uh, seems like a more global discussion recently. I wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, OPEC, or I'm sorry, the EIA uh, short-term energy outlook. One comment stood out for me. They said they expect Brent prices to average around $71 a barrel. Uh, in December, 73 in the first quarter of 2022. They said for 2022 as a whole, though, they expect that growth in production from OPEC, the U.S., non-other uh, OPEC countries will outpace slowing growth in uh, global oil consumption. Basically, they seem to be a little bit less optimistic, I guess, than some of the uh, bulls are as far as uh, what we've been seeing as far as price activity. Right. I mean, I think the IEA is pretty impartial. Uh, you know, you'll see uh, there, there's definitely an agenda when you're hearing from the White House or Aramco or some of the other um, sort of talking heads about oil and what to expect. Talking their book. Um, I do think, though, there's a lot of uncertainty that, that our expectations about uh, demand um, are going to be impacted significantly by what happens with this new Omicron yeah. variant. Um, we all recall what happened in you know kind of february march of 2020 that we didn't did not see this coming and it just brought a, a huge slowdown to uh the global economy <clears throat> if if this variant i what we know right now is that this variant is going to be uh well what, what we expect i said i'm not sure what we know frankly but what we expect is that this variant is going to be very transmissible but maybe less severe than the delta variant of covid and others that we've seen 
Um, I think the, the impact, though, is not just the illness and um, and kind of spread, uh, community spread in various countries. It's also what do the countries do? We know China, for example, has had this zero COVID uh, tolerance policy and uh, have have shut down entire um, shipping lanes and 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 ports because of a single case. So um, I I know that. Uh, I read a news story about the UK is suffering now uh, higher cases of the Omicron variant, and there's expectations that it may overtake Delta uh, in the UK in the next, you know, three months or so. I think it's, I think those are all wild cards that we're going to have to pay attention to. Um, so I think if if everything stays as is, there's no conflict in between UK uh, between Ukraine and Russia, you know. Omicron variant kind of just slowly spreads and doesn't tip the apple cart with respect to the way we're vaccinating and treating people. I think IA's estimate, you know, may hold, but there's a, a lot of variability in 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 where things will go over the next three months. We're looking at uh, well a daily time frame here. If we could pull this chart, the. Uh, ES crude oil, the trend we've been seeing to the upside, again, volatility as of recent, but to your point, a couple wild cards to keep an eye on. Kurt, always appreciate you joining us. Thanks for sharing your Wednesday morning with us. Kurt Nelson, the founding partner and CEO of Summerhaven.